This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. The Masters on Sky Sports, now half price for six months. Witness all four unmissable days live from Augusta. It's one of the grand theatres of the sporting world. Oh, what a shot! You couldn't script this for a Hollywood movie. The best place to watch all four days of the Masters live. To join or upgrade and get Sky Sports half price for six months, search Sky Sports Golf. New sports customers only. Standard pricing applies after six months. Further terms apply. Welcome to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I'm Jerry Scott, Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent. Hi, and I'm Rob Parsons, the Yorkshire Post's political editor. We've got Kevin Honenrake on the podcast today. He's the Conservative um, MP for First Bolton, but it's been a really interesting week, actually, and speak to him about some of the inequalities that we see in the government rules for where money goes, um, kind of the North-South divide and this levelling up promise that the PM has. And he said a few interesting things about that. But Rob, you've done something this week, haven't you, that's kind of connected to that and this kind of inequalities that we see that we write about all the time. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, we talk about levelling up and it, it, I guess the, 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 the need to level up uh, and you know, the inequalities between the, the North and the South manifest themselves in a lot of different ways. There's the, the, the housing element which you've been you've been talking about but also uh health inequalities and how they link with um the you know economy of a region and how wealthy people are was uh that was a subject of a a conference uh, an online conference that i uh helped out at uh, this week it was organized by the yorkshire and the humber academic health science network and uh it it was was very interesting actually um and the one of the, the more interesting speakers was um Lord Victor Adebowale, who you might not have heard of, but he's a, a crossbench peer. Uh, he, he was previously the, the he ran the um, charity uh, Turning Point, but he's now the the chairman of the NHS Confederation, which is the body which represents um, organisations that commission and provide uh, NHS services. But he was born in Wakefield. He describes himself as a, a son of the North, and he um, had some very passionate things to say about the. Um, the, the sort of long-standing health health gap uh, and he said it's not only unjust it is expensive to have a situation where life expectancy in parts of Leeds, Bradford and Wakefield is decades shorter than wealthier areas in not just Yorkshire uh, but the rest of the rest of the country and he went on to say that you know, this life expectancy issue means that people uh, in some parts of Yorkshire start deteriorating physically and mentally in your 50s whereas in the wealthier areas it's in your 70s so they're using health services more and uh, they're suffering longer periods of ill health and obviously that has a 
a knock-on impact on the uh, economy of any of any one any one area. And he went on to say, "This issue is now mission critical. We are literally standing on a burning platform. Uh, we have maybe two years to get this right before it's hardwired into a generation to come, and it's hardwired into our spend, our budgets, and our planning." So it's pretty, uh, pretty, God, pretty, pretty scary. Imp- yeah, pretty in, impassioned stuff. And it, this is something that we've looked at quite a lot in the. In, in the Yorkshire Post, and um, it, it's interesting if you uh, if you go on the um, the East Coast Main Line out of London, and you you stop at each stop on the way out from London up to, up to the north, the uh, life expectancy mm-hmm. uh, out of London gets progressively worse uh, the further north you get until you get to York, where it goes up a bit, and then I think it, it get, and then there's a uh, and then and then it starts going down again when you go into into Scotland, so this sort of health gap is just another example of uh, you know the, the 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 structural inequalities that exist uh, in, in in the country today, and it's not an easy one to solve. But uh, and it's you know very multifaceted. There's a whole load of different things that go into it. But it's 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 one we'll we'll be keeping an eye on. That's for sure. But you know what, we've seen this as well, haven't we? During the um during the pandemic, I've, I've done loads of like you know little talking head bits on radio and telly over the last few months where you know people arguing like based in London have like been saying to me well why is it that you know Bradford's been in tier three for so long and we still you know have the original tier system or why is Kirk Lee's lockdown why is the north suffering so much worse and I was like well you know it's not it's not that people aren't playing by the rules we're all following the same rules aren't we but it's the the, the health outcomes it's already built in that things are going to hit areas like like that that have been in restrictions for longer harder were they kind of were they alluding to the pandemic there or were they trying to keep away from it as much as they can well i think what what they said was that the the pandemic had kind of uh highlighted and uh exacerbated the the sort of inequalities that were already uh in in place i mean we we did yeah. a we did a piece for the yorkshire post back in January or February about the um, about precisely these topics and obviously the pandemic hadn't hadn't hit yet but I think the the um, these these gaps have been made worse by um, by the the impact of, of coronavirus both in the in the economy and people's health outcomes and actually um, Boris Johnson does he, this is not something that he is unaware of and I think he, he said a couple of times no. that uh that uh, talent is spread equally throughout the country, but uh, opportunity uh, is not. And obviously, you know, you're, the, the likelihood that you'll have good health in some parts of the country more than others is one of the things that contributes to some people having more opportunities than others. Obviously, that was a whole key part of his of his his promise to the Northern electorate that helped him win uh, a big majority. But uh, I think, it, it, well, I'm, I'm sure he would have liked to have spent more on on this topic in the last few months than he's had the opportunity to do but obviously the pandemic has uh, has, has intervened so there isn't really a huge amount to show for his his warm words uh, a year ago no and it is a year ago it's a year ago on um on sunday so two days after this uh, this podcast comes out it doesn't seem like a year ago that um we were what up at 5am in the newsroom eating i think it was harry bow wasn't it rob harry bow yes i think i had some kind of weird uh sweets that i got from the off license the day before that provoked some division 
on social media. I can't even remember. Oh what yeah, they you were. had those weird sweets. I can't even remember what they were, no. but it was a controversial choice. I, Why? I was getting. I, I say when I posted a picture of me eating these sweets, it it, it was probably the most uh, most engagement on social media I've had uh, in quite in quite some time. So uh, I'll, I maybe have to. Big, <laughs> I'll probably I'll probably still got the uh, half finished bag somewhere in my house. Maybe I'll have to get them out and and, and try them again. I imagine they don't go off too quickly. But, <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh, dear. I guess we wouldn't have thought back, back then that we would have hardly have spent any time in in that office since since then because it was only a few weeks no. later that, uh, that, that that we left the office and we haven't haven't been back since. No, not at all. Well, that's actually something I spoke to um, Kevin Hollenrake about, and you know, talking about Boris's first year, and he's he was still quite positive that all the leveling up stuff is still going to go ahead. He says. As his time in it as a parliamentarian has never been more of a focus on it. So, should we have a listen to what he's got to say? Let's do it. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for coming on Pods and Country. How are you doing? Yes, very well. Thanks, Geraldine. How are you? Yes, I'm not too bad. I was just uh, thinking we're usually winding down towards Christmas at at this stage but um but we don't know at the moment when parliament's going to break up do we we're still uh, we're still waiting here you might be right up to the to the point of uh, well point of no return really yes uh, because of the obvious and um it was always <laughs> going to be this way wasn't it and the reality was wherever we kind of said it and it just became a kind of received wisdom but um the brexit negotiations were always going to last right into the last minute and and so it seems so yes we don't know when we're going to break up it might even be the Christmas week itself, but uh, if it is, so be it. Absolutely, it'll be very festive around Parliament. I'm sure. I want to get my hands on one of those um, Christmas jumpers, House of Commons themed Christmas jumpers. We'll see. Right. Okay. I haven't seen you. Okay. Look out for that. <laughs> I'll bring you one. Okay. Great. <laughs> so, thank you so much for coming on because um, I was really, really keen to have a chat about this, and this is something that we covered in um, the Yorkshire Post over the weekend, actually. And this is this letter that yourself and you know more than 30 northern conservative mps have kind of sent to government asking for a change in this bias of where homes are built in the uk the so-called 80 20 rule and we've heard loads over the last few weeks about really good stuff that the government's been doing whether it's reforming the green book the leveling up fund or um you know national infrastructure bank that's going to be built in the north but this is something that still needs addressing do you want to Give us a bit of kind of information about what 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 the problem is and what you'd yes. like to kind of see done. Yeah, well, I mean, I agree entirely what you're saying. I mean, as somebody who has campaigned for a fairer deal for the north ever since I became a parliamentarian in 2015, you know, I think we should, you know, we should really kind of recognise what a massive, massive commitment the government's made in terms of levelling up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy to kind of bank it and move on, but for the first time in decades, this isn't just isn't party politics. Governments of all persuasions have not properly invested in the north and the Midlands and other areas. So much so there's a massive disparity then between average earnings in the north, northeast particularly, and average earnings in London and the southeast. And that's what the government's determined to address. This really this unfairness, basic unfairness. So this can admit what we're going to do is spend hundreds of billions of pounds on infrastructure, so all the Paris Rail and lots more roads and railways and broadband and mobile phone signals and all those kind of things, as well as skills and all the rest of it. It's going to be amazing and a historic commitment 
that we'd never seen before. So um, to do that, of course, you've got to fix some rules that are creating that spending bias. Mm. And we know for decades, um, for every pound that's spent per capita in the north, three pound on infrastructure, transport infrastructure, three pound per capita in London, the southeast. Oof. That's one of the reasons why it's so prosperous. So we're going to address that uh, fund, funding imbalance through some, some rules the Treasury has. Now, big, the big rule it has is something called a green book, and that's this, mm -hmm. decides, there to decide where the best value uh, projects are in the country for things like those transport projects. And so the government said, oh, in the future, it's not just going to be about benefit-cost ratio, BCR, because what happens if you just look at that, if you decide I'm going to spend £10 million on a new road in the north, it will create, create 100 jobs, or £10 million on a new road in the south, it will create 100 new jobs. The jobs in the south are worth more money because they earn more, and therefore it always comes out the roads are built in the south. Yeah, so the government said in the future we're going to look at strategic goals as well. And one of its, one of its strategic goals um, are, it, one of them is, so, sorry, is levelling up. So that means mm -hmm. we can then alter this bias and say, no, we want that, that £10 million road in the north rather than the south. So that's really historic as well. And the Treasury will have to do things differently in the future, which is great. But there are other, some po other pots of money that are distributed in similar ways. And one of them, as you say, is something called the Housing Infrastructure Fund. It's now going to be called the Home Building Fund. And it's there to decide, well, if we build a big new roundabout or a flyover or a kind of bypass here, that will allow 100 new houses, 500 new houses to be built there, for example, whatever. So it enables housing. And again, that's been in the past, 80% of that money is spent in the most expensive areas of the country for how in terms of house prices but those areas that are really expensive of course are also the most prosperous areas in the country in the southeast it's like again, this closed loop you've got so what the what we're asking the treasury to do is look at this rule as well uh, this 80 20 rule that means all that housing infrastructure so the roads and stuff that enable housing is built more in the north just for, we're a fair deal we don't want a better deal we just want a fair deal so that's yeah. what this letter is all about Absolutely. And it's really interesting to give to the listeners some stats. They um it's it you're quite right, it's projects where housing where housing is less affordable or more than eight point eight percent times the average household yeah. income. Um but of the I think there were some stats a couple of months ago, four billion pounds handed out from this fund so far. I think eighty three percent of it has gone to the south. So it is it does seem to be skewed for all those reasons that we that you just discussed and on the face of it, it kind of makes sense. But then when you look at it, you think, well, obviously that means that the money goes to the south because that's how it's that's how it's kind yeah. of set up. And I'm really yes. interested, actually, yeah. in this letter in particular, but all these different places where these rules are being rewritten because the government is a massive beast, isn't it? And how it decides things. Yeah. And there will be all these things to unravel as we move towards levelling up in various sectors, I suppose. Yes. That's exactly right. I mean, there's a saying, isn't it? If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Mm -hmm. And that's what we'll, if we, so unless we change things, um, we won't get that levelling up. And levelling up actually isn't just about, it's certainly not about roads and railways. What it's about, it's about prosperity. It's, it's about investing in those areas and then attracting better jobs and those people in those areas benefiting. So across the north, which absolutely is fair and what we want to see. So, um, but it's decades. It's going to take a long time. It's no doubt. I mean, 
the the disparity between um, gross domestic products, so the average uh, economic activity that one person generates, um, in the north versus London and southeast, is the same disparity as was between West and East Germany when the wall came down. That's Incredible. crazy, isn't it? Incredible. So, uh, and to fix that, and it still isn't totally fixed in Germany, it took three decades and two trillion dollars. Huge amount of investment in terms of both cash investment in projects, in town centres, in city centres, but also in tax incentives for people to relocate businesses there. But they mm-hmm. really narrowed that gap massively. We're going to need to do the same thing. So, um, so yes, I mean, we, we need to look at the, a lot of this stuff is just missed. It's just where the things are baked in. It's not ministers decide, oh, we're going to spend that money there again. It's just that's where the formulas are sat and um, the Treasury is probably just needs a nudge sometimes in the right direction to say, look at that particular formula as well, because this will help your overall objective to level up, which I say is historic and a massive, massive commitment. Yeah, absolutely. So we actually had um, Jake Berry, one of your colleagues on the podcast last week, who was saying a similar thing. He said, you know, we've got to recognise that these things aren't going to happen in this parliament. In mm. it, you know, these big, big changes, we can do some stuff, but not these massive changes. Probably not even going to happen in the next parliament. It's a long term thing, yes. which takes a long time to fix. But hopefully, yeah. things like this, this rule can be rewritten. And um, just to. Uh, mention who had signed that letter as of the weekend. I don't know if more people have joined since, but in Yorkshire there was yourself, there was Robert Goodwill, there was Craig Whitaker, there was Imran Ahmed Khan, there was Robbie Moore, Jason yeah. McCartney, and there's um, you know, you make Jake Berry, who we mentioned just yeah, yeah. there as well. So yeah. it's a good a good clutch of people. And yes. I think um the Housing Secretary Robert Jenrick has signalled that he's willing to listen. He wants to bear this in mind. He said that to you in the Commons, didn't he? Did. he? He did. And I asked the same. Yes, he did, and a very positive response, both on the floor of the house and and uh, when I speak to him privately as well. And and I asked also our, our fantastic Chancellor Rishi Sunak, obviously a Northern MP as well, the same question on the floor of the house last week, and um, he he promised to look at it as well. So it's you know it's um, I mean you, you can understand what the rationale is. You spend you try and spend uh, this kind of facilitate housing in certain parts of the country because house prices are very expensive there. But you also mentioned there's some other new changes to housing policy coming along that's mm. trying to address this very high house prices in London, the southeast particularly, to try and make it more affordable for people because the government wants to make sure nationally as well as not just regionally, first-time buyers and anybody who wants to aspire to own, own a house can do that. So, um, so this is what the housing infrastructure fund or the home building fund, it's called, is now is there for. But also, there's this new formula about where housing will be allocated through the UK. The government's yes. got this really ambitious agenda to build a lot more homes, more homes than we've seen for the last thirty years on a sustained basis. On the basis, trying to get help people get on into onto the housing ladder, and they do some great work there. Um, but you know, to my mind just building all the houses in all the really expensive areas doesn't solve the problem. The problem's too too baked in in terms of the cost of housing in London of the southeast to solve that problem. We'd be far better doing it by spreading the investment throughout the country. We know that people can work in different parts of the country now. Not everybody's locked into going to in central London uh, like they were before. COVID's helped us with that. The COVID crisis has helped us with that. There's no reason now if we can't invest in other parts of the country and make those really wonderful places to live, Darlington, B 
Bishop Auckland, Sedgefield, Redcar, wherever, all these kind of places. We know that Durskill Morton's a lovely place to live already, of course, but the more, uh, the more we invest in those kind of places, and both in terms of the place itself, making them more, you know, these town centres, so places everybody has pride in, that's really important, and make them bet better connected, then the more people are going to live in those areas. I mean, yeah. to give you a, a tangible example, so Blackpool is closer to Manchester than Brighton is to London. Um, no, it's further, yes, it's closer, but that's right. But uh, it takes 20 minutes longer to get there on the train and the train journeys are 75% less frequent. Wow, okay. So if you want to revitalise Blackpool, connections are really important. So, um, so that's the, these are the kind of things we've got to do. It's not just about the big projects like Northern Powerhouse Rail, which will be really important, connecting all these people together across the north, really connecting jobs with businesses, which is people with jobs with businesses, which is really important. But you do that between the smaller conurbations as well, and that could mean uh, a complete renaissance of places like, uh, like Blackpool and many other towns and cities across the north. Yeah, and of course, if you build more homes in a place, if we're talking about a house building today, then that creates jobs, right, for local construction firms, and it creates business for, I don't know, local cafes when people go and get their lunch and things like that. There's a there's a trickle down effect there, isn't there? Oh, there totally is. So yes, the, in the actual construction activity itself, and the the, the government stuff that's got it in the planning the planning white paper is really good. White paper is like a a kind of some policy proposals the government puts out there for consultation, really. So um. So it's put this really good stuff in there that will make a massive difference in terms of making it easier to build, making it cheaper through the planning process is very convoluted at the moment and it's under-resourced lots of planning departments. So um, so developers, you know, it takes a long time to get their planning consents, which hits smaller builders disproportionately hard because the costs are pretty much the same whether you put in doing a 10-house site or a 100-home site. So um, so they're going to change that to make it much easier to get planning permission. In fact, you won't even need planning permission. What the local authority will do is draw a big red line around a certain part of the town or, or village or city or whatever and say that area is there for development. And just, these are the design codes. This is what the houses need to look like or the apartments. These are the kind of facilities we need. These are the kind of infrastructure in terms of roads or whatever else. And then the developer can just get on and do it without actually seeking planning permission every time you build uh, a new development. And, um, and this is what they're doing on the continent. In Germany and Holland, they use it's called zoning, planning zoning. So it's very exciting new policy from the government that should make it easy to build those houses, which should make them more affordable and make them better to look at, more attractive. So we're not building identical housing. We're building good, beautiful places we're proud of, mixed communities. So... Yes, market value homes, nicer homes, bigger homes, but also homes for first-time buyers, very affordable rents or affordable uh, levels of um, affordable to purchase as well, which is going to be called mm -hmm. first homes, which is really exciting. So you'll buy a home at up to half price um, and you'll sell it to the next person at half price. So it's in perpetuity discount for first-time buyers, um, but also homes for social rent for people who can't get onto the housing ladder on low incomes, but um, normally the cost of housing is, is a very high proportion of their income. So building lots of social housing as well. So really exciting future in terms of housing. It is, and we need it as well, that's for sure. We need we need the homes. But um, yep. it's, it's, it's really, um, you're right, it is exciting. And there are so many 
facets I suppose to this leveling up agenda that we we talk about all the time and sometimes I'll uh, give ministers a bit of a poke and say oh it's been applied to too many things but it, it does cover a vast multitude of um, ills I appreciate that um how do you think well, the agenda is shaping up Kevin because like you say ever since you've been a parliamentarian you've been fighting for a fairer deal for the north you must have been ecstatic when the government said they were putting a focus on this on this leveling up stuff Oh, amazing. I mean, it, I, I can't tell you how big a thing it is because all governments, Conservative government, uh, coalition, Labour governments, we've paid lip service to it for decades. Yeah. We've just said, oh, my, those, those, I mean, there's always been a received wisdom that you can't do anything about the, some of our kind of deindustrialised communities of the North. No, they, they had their time. Tough, I'm afraid, you know, all, all the activity in the future is going to be in London, the South East, and we'll just pay, they'll just pay lots of taxes and we'll just take handouts in the North. We don't want that. Mm -hmm. Talent, as the Prime Minister has said, talent, talent is spread equally across the UK, but opportunity is not. And that's what this is about. So it's absolutely massive, this. And the, so the ambition is massive in terms of the levelling up agenda, but the commitment in terms of the spending is massive. You know, £600 billion of infrastructure, absolutely huge. And lots of other things like skills and, and uh, incentives and lots of other things. So really, really big commitment. And uh, it's quite right, too, because you we're doing this at a time you can borrow money very, very affordably, literally at zero real interest rates. Um, yeah. So what a great time to go and borrow money and to invest in transport, invest in broadband, invest in mobile phone coverage in 5G and all this kind of stuff and skills and the rest of it. So really, really a positive agenda. And um, and the other thing that is, I think is equally important, it's not just about the money, it's how it's spent, and that's about leadership. So what the government's also done, which I think is also historic, we're, we're very centralised in how we run things in the UK. So lots of decisions are made in Whitehall, and, um, and then the money's delegated out from Whitehall. Well, Whitehall is in London, of course, so therefore it's very far easier for them to understand for people who live and work in London to think that's where you're going to spend the money. So what the government's also done, this government also uh, has done, is said we want to, want to devolve power back to local areas through elected mayors. So um, so you've got elected mayor for West Midlands in Andy Street, you've got an elected mayor for Greater Manchester, uh, Andy Burnham, elected mayor for Tees Valley um, in uh, Ben Houchin. And we're, we're going to have you've got elected mayor in Sheffield, um, who's um, Dan Jarvis, of course. And you'll have elected mayor for the Leeds City region. And also, in, by 2023, we'll have elected mayor for the York City region. So York mm. and North Yorkshire, which I'm a massive fan of that. So it means a really inspirational, hopefully, person will come forward. It doesn't have to have a political background. It can be somebody who's been in business or the military or education or whatever. But somebody who really lives in the local community, is connected deeply with that local community in York and North York. She said, I want to change this place for the better. And you can sit on your own manifesto, stand on your own manifesto even, stand on your own manifesto and say, this is how I'm going to change this area now. This is what I'm going to do. And you're going to connect all the dots, so all the different agencies, whether it be the police or the education or health services and local authority leaders, because they'll still be there. You bring them all together, get them all in the same room at the same time and say, right, this is my agenda for change. Support this. We're going to transform the opportunities of people in York and North Yorkshire. I think that's so exciting. 
And you see this around the country. Ben Houchin's a really good example, closest to me in Tees Valley, how he's, uh, he's reopening, kind of, he's building this new Tees port, this wonderful mm. kind of revitalization of the old steelworks in Teesside. Um, really exciting stuff, green energy and high and, and technology um, and uh, all kinds of stuff. He's, he's reop- reopened the Teesside International Airport. Some really exciting projects across Tees Valley. Now, I tell you now, if, if Ben hadn't been there in Tees Valley, very little of that would be happening. If that was all left to, to a white or mandarin to say, what should we do to revitalize Teesside, they'd probably still be scratching their head and thinking, well, yeah. we'll just send them some money, you know, some, some tax money to, to, you know, to, to keep people's support, people's living standards that way. That's not what we want. We want investment so we can then make the best of our own opportunities. And uh, so, yeah, really exciting in both those areas, both the investment in terms of the money and how that money will be spent, and, and that's about leadership. I'm really glad you mentioned devolution, actually, because I know you're a massive supporter of devolution. We can tell from what you've what you've said there as well, but we've spoken about it, oh, God, more times than I care to remember um, over <laughs> over the last, well, however long. Um, but I, I think there has been a bit of concern that ministers are going a bit cold on devolution um, after their fight with Andy Burnham. I suppose what you'd say is, no, keep the faith. We still need it. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, listen, I think it's incumbent on all parla- uh, uh, politicians to be constructive. I don't yeah. think it makes sense for any individual, be it elected mayor or be it the prime minister or minister, uh, MP or whatever it is, to constantly bang on about the opposition and just be politically, just trying political, uh, politically opportunistic. Mm-hmm. It should be a case of what constructively we can do to change lives for the better. And sometimes that means you might disagree with the government, of course, but sometimes you mean you might agree with the government. And yeah, I think if you're just seen as constantly banging, bashing the government, everything's wrong, everything's wrong, everything's wrong, that can't be right. It just can't be right. The law of averages means the government gets things wrong <laughs> from time to time, right? But and also right from time to time. And then, yeah. um, but um, and same with the opposition. You know, there's some really good ideas come from the opposition. We should uh, we should work cross party on as many issues as we can to try and to try and take things forward. It's in the government's interest that Manchester is really successful. Of course it is, because it's, it's good for people at Manchester and it's also good for the Exchequer because more, if they're more prosperous, it means more tax receipts that go into the government coffers. So it means we can pay for better public services, which is what we all want. So, um, so yeah, um, Ben Houch in Tees Valley, I've seen him disagree with the government. I've seen him agree with the government. So we shouldn't be afraid to criticise the government constructively if we think he's got it wrong. But equally well, we shouldn't be afraid to praise it and say, no, it is. we understand there are the reasons why we can't have everything and there's got to be some limitations on the public purse, for example. So, um, so no, I don't think we should run away from it. I think we should embrace it. I mean, the best analogy I can give you in terms of international comparisons, and a lot of the kind of elected mayor thing is about um, other countries have done this, and USA, famously, of course, you will all be fairly familiar with the mayor of New York, and um, many of us will remember New York was like probably three decades ago. It was a crime-ridden city. Yeah. And, um, and along came a mayor called Rudolf Giuliano, um, Giuliani, and um, he, um, he contra- transformed that place. He put police yeah. on every street corner and he cleaned it up. And that is an action. It shows what ideas can happen in action if you get an inspirational leader with the right kind of 
mentality and determination, you can make a positive change to your own community. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we won't talk about Rudy um, Giuliani's more recent escapades, maybe, but no, I quite agree with... Um, yes, well, yes, <laughs> with yeah. yes. We should have stopped there, really, shouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I completely agree with what you're saying um, for yeah. his kind of, yeah, mayoral, mayoral standing. Um, and I, I think what you're saying there about working cross party is completely right. And I think it's a real um, positive actually of the mayoral system because, you know, we did see that fight with Andy Burnham, but in general, the atmosphere between government and mayors does seem to be pretty, you know, respectful. It's constructive criticism. You know, we see how Dan Jarvis, for example, works. Mm, He's a Labour mayor, but we see how he works brilliantly with the government. Um, I think, um, and you might you might agree, you might disagree, but we've seen a bit of a change in politics in those mayors, but also in you know letters like we started this podcast today, speaking about from a group of you know Northern Tory MPs or the NRG, the Northern Research Group that we've seen um, pop up, which I I think you remember of. Are you a member of Kevin? Um, another reason, am I a member that? Um, I, I don't know actually. I'm on the water front group. I've got, There's so I, I think many it's a membership, but um, yeah, I think I think I probably am. Yes, you probably. Yeah. Are, I yeah. agree. Um, but you know, we've we've seen a bit of a change. I think in groups not being afraid to not to necessarily toe the party line and challenge the government in, like you say, a constructive way, in a way that everyone wants to get towards the same goal, the prosperous goal, and everyone being kind of on the same page, but maybe disagreeing about how to get there. And that can only be good for politics, right? I agree. No, I totally agree. I mean, one of the most frustrating experiences I've had is when, as a new MP, sat on the backbenches, and if you're not that well-known or whatever, people, what you've done. But I've been in housing myself in business for 30 years. I know housing mm. pretty well. And you hear policies announced on the floor of the house that don't always make that much sense. And you think, well, why did somebody just at least ask my opinion or something? And there's, and you can multiply that 649 times because there's lots of the 650 MPs in here and all have backgrounds that could be useful to the government in terms of understanding what policy policies you might adopt or if you're thinking about a certain policy maybe you should think about x y or z so i don't think we should be afraid of scrutiny that's what our parliamentary system is about you've actually got a separation between the executive which is the government and uh, parliament which is mm. the backbenchers and that's the, the two things are not the same thing so that the parliament is there to scrutinize the government's actions and the government shouldn't be afraid of that and um i mean i, I for four years i sat on Select committee, housing communities, local government select committee. These are cross party. If anybody who gets kind of disillusioned by politics, you know, if you're watching the kind of bun fights that go on on, on <laughs> question time or whatever, you know, watch it, tune into a select committee session. It can be a bit dry and boring, but you've got a cross party. You analyze certain government policies, you think of new policies that the government should consider, you write reports which are so constructive, they are cross party. They are written with consensus. They're not a kind of weird compromise that says nothing. They're often very challenging or very good ideas. And uh, you really could run things more effectively using that system. So so there are real good ways of holding the government to account in a very constructive way. And I guess the other thing I'd say, and this is a gentle poke maybe at the media, Geraldine, is that, you know, I think often you see, you do see certain mayors, Andy Burnham or something, you know, going on on meet on the news or radio or whatever about how the government's got things wrong but i'm sure lots of times as well he'll also say no the government's doing a good job in x y or z areas but you don't tend to hear that on the media of course because it's not doesn't really make news 
So I think it's really important we don't portray uh, Parliament as just being a divisive place where none of us get on and none of us try and work in the public interest, because that's not what happens. The vast majority of people are coming here, coming here to do the right thing. And if we're portrayed as being corrupt, incompetent or self-serving, or all three at times, I, don't, I think it does the public a disservice as well as politics a disservice, because that's not how it is. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And don't worry, I'm not precious. Uh, you can take a swipe at the media or your what it's highly gay. Look, I'm going to let you go in a second because uh, I imagine you've got a packed diary as 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 ever. Um, but before I do, I'd just like you to kind of set out for us. We've spoken a lot about the various bits of levelling up today, what we'd like to see. And we also you know, mentioned how this isn't going to happen overnight. And we know this. So I guess looking to the future... I don't know, 10, 15, 20, however many years down the line you want to take it, if this agenda, if this plan and ambition from the government to level up is successful, what would that look like to you? Well, it, it would close that gap, that prosperity gap. You know, if average um, uh, salaries in um, North East around, around £20,000, average salaries in the South, London South East around £45,000, you know, you want to see... The, the, in Germany, they close it to an eighty percent of the average. Mm -hmm. So you'd say, or eighty percent of the most um, uh, prosperous areas. So you'd say the, those average salaries would have pretty much doubled. That's what you'd be aiming for over that over that um, you know ten year period. That's what we should be. Uh, should be our aspiration. It's not just about shiny new roads, shiny new railways and trains. It's about real opportunities, living standards for for people, decent housing decent way of life, good schools, all those things, good hospitals, all those things are the tangible outcomes of the government's um, ambition. So, um, so but you've got to move away from, you know, ideas are ten a penny. You've got to move away from ideas, implementations where it really counts. We know what makes a difference to prosperity. We've just got to make sure we actually deliver on it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get some tangible stuff that we can, that we can point to. I quite agree. Well, exactly. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on Pods and Country. It's been really, really good to have a chat. Yes, really enjoyed it, Geraldine, and invite me back any time. Absolutely, I will. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for listening to Pods Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I've been Jerry Scott, Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent, and we were so, so glad to have you with us today. Now, if you've got the time, it'd be great if you could leave us a review, if you could subscribe, if you could share us on social media, because it really helps to boost us in the charts, and we'll be back next week. This weekend at Augusta, it's the Masters. And with 50% off a Now Sports membership, you can catch every, 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 and every. Watch all four days of the Masters live with 50% off a Now Sports membership for three months, bringing you all 11 Sky Sports channels. Join in at nowtv.com. 18 plus, streamed via internet, offer ends 2nd of May, standard pricing after three months.